believe that's our prayer this evening, isn't it? Don't want anything to get in the way of our walk with the Lord. Just want to draw closer to Him each step of the way. Greet you all in the name of Jesus. and Pray God will just bless you tonight. Brother Michael Ray is going to come and speak to us. Let us sing, I am thinking of a rapture. I believe that should be first and foremost in our minds. Amen. When the redeemed are gathering in, I am thinking of a rapture in our blessed home on high. I am thinking of the rapture in our blessed home on high. When the redeemed are gathering in.
give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. My, you're all singing wonderful tonight. Really sounds good. We could just sing that whole song again and just really get into it. Amen. Amen. Because there's something to get into. Amen. Praise the Lord. Oh, I want to see him. Look upon his face. As I journey through the land, singing as I go.
Gerard, I'd like to ask you to come and pray with us tonight. I haven't got any written requests up here, but we'll just remember our brothers and sisters around the globe. We're a needy people. Each and every need here represented online and in the congregations. God bless you, brother. Father, Lord, as we bow our heads in your awesome presence. Father, it never gets old, Lord. Every single time when we come near, Father, and and you grace us with your presence, Lord, there's a rejuvenation, Father. There's a soothing of our souls, Lord, that we cannot explain, Lord. The world, we, we try and explain it, we try and tell them what's up, but we, it can't. In order for you to truly understand what we feel, you have to taste of the waters. And Father, tonight, Lord, we, we're coming to the well again, Father, asking you to feed our thirsty soul once more, Lord. As a songwriter have said, Father, we have our cups, we're lifting it up, Lord. Just come and fill it, Father. Fill it until there's no more place to fill. All we want is you, Lord. We're inundated every day with things of the world, Father. And the more we see how much people care, the more we realize that all we care about is Jesus. Jesus, 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 Father. Lord, may you just come tonight, Father. Your vessel has put himself aside, Lord. He's he's made the connection, Father. We just pray that you'll come in. Pour in, Father. May it not even be the voice of Brother Michael, Father, but may each and every one of us just hear from the very throne of grace. Speak to our souls this evening, O Lord, we pray. Bless us now, and we also want to just remember the the different saints around the world in Africa, Europe, and China. COVID and lockdowns and more people being isolated, Father. But the more they try and shut people down, Lord, may your believers around the world realize that just you drawing us closer to you, Father. We don't always understand it, Lord, but that tender hand of Jehovah, as your prophet said, Father, just drawing your bride closer to you, Lord. May we heed the signs, Father. May we hear the call. May we just take heed and just take this opportunity, Father, to make sure our calling and election is sure, Father. And may we just walk with you day by day, step by step, Father. We come in expectation, Lord. Meet our needs, we pray, the different ones with needs in the body, Father. Just a moment, just a touch, just a look from you, Lord, and all things can be behind us. We love you, Lord. Be with us now, we pray. Speak to us, speak to our hearts, Father, and may it find good ground, we ask. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. God bless you. You can have your seats tonight. We've got a... uh special tonight so why don't you come up and prepare and get ready to sing for us I think it's the, the Briners come on up and get ready to sing let's sing um, it's already done the battle is over the victory is won it's already done oh it's all
back on the road that I've traveled. I see so many times He carried me through. And if there's one thing that I've learned in my life, my Redeemer is faithful and true. My Redeemer is faithful. done. Wonderful song and a wonderful truth. Amen. So thankful for our precious Redeemer. God bless you. I'm going to invite our brother Michael to come and get ready to speak unto us. And This morning in my uh, devotions I was reading in Psalms and there's a scripture verse that says, My soul watcheth for thee more than they that watch for the morning. And I thought of this song, and it's an old song, Longing for Jesus. I have a longing in my heart for Him. I remember Brother Roy Shrewsbury. I heard him a few times. He's an older minister of the gospel, and I think he might even still be ministering. 
but this is one of his favorite songs. He practically sang at every service I ever heard him speak. He sang this old hymn, and it was just quite something. I was thinking about it this morning, and how a man that had been serving the Lord for so many years, and yet there was still a hunger for more, a longing for Jesus. Amen. That's our desire tonight. Amen. Longing, longing for Jesus, I have a longing in my heart for Him, just to those good old songs, Brother Nathan, that we've sung, we need to sing more, longing for Him, just to be near Him, to feel His presence, amen, that's what we desire tonight, is that He's not just near, but that we can feel His presence right close to each one of you tonight, amen, just a couple of announcements before we go to the Word, you can just hold on, musician, I just want to sing maybe um, the old, the song we learned a little bit ago, Have Your Way, just uh, before we turn to the Word, but just before that, just a couple uh, things. Just uh, we're going to be starting Sunday school uh, up virtually. <laughs> I'm just sure something poked in everybody's minds. How on earth are we doing that? And then virtually answered the question. But uh, we're going to just um, start uh, Sunday mornings at 9:45, and it'll be uh, announcement will be on the website for the link uh, for that. It'll be for each separate age groups uh, rotating through the month. So. For this coming Sunday morning, it will be those born in 2008 or 2009, 
Uh, and you will find the link for that again on the website. And we're just going to work through a couple of the hurdles for that. But at 945, uh, you can click the little link and it'll be, we'll be doing a virtual, uh, Sunday school. And then each Sunday it'll change age groups. And so we'll communicate that schedule via the website on which age group is which, which Sunday morning. And, uh, and we'll let little, little ones, uh, learn a little bit about Jesus. Amen. They've been sitting in front of a screen for many months, and sometimes I'm sure a lot of it's going above their little heads. And, and uh, so we just want to minister to our to our little ones and bring Sunday school back online. No pun intended. All right. So that's a Sunday. This coming Sunday morning is when we're starting that. And uh, look on the website for that. I know for everyone on the U.S. side, I know you've had a busy uh, few days uh, with obviously the elections and such. But I want you to just put all that behind you and park it and uh and we're just going to focus on the word tonight and uh, i've I, I to be honest i don't even have a clue what's going on my through my household my wife said you don't even don't even know who's who's and i said i know nothing i don't want to know nothing we're just focused on the word and so we can all do that precious american brothers and sisters will do that tonight as well i was thinking of you i was thinking of sister uh, diana but a cloud you would be sitting up there uh, we're just missing every one of you that uh, would be here. Uh, but Terry, I loved your special on Sunday. That organ started out just very interesting. <laughs> I'm glad you got the keyboard to figure it out right, because that would have made that a very interesting song. We appreciate that. Make sure it's not a long time between the next time, please. Amen. All right, our benches are done. All down on the bottom. Sister Margaret, I know you probably could let out a hallelujah for that. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. I couldn't put my hands together long and hard enough for all the ones that have helped out. Sister Elizabeth Waldner was uh, one that definitely was here hour after hour and day after day. And, uh, but her surge, I know when we started this little section up here, it's hard to imagine that it's already done. But I want to thank everybody that helped. Sister Calessa, Sister Margaret, Sister Natuzzi, and all the different ones but her surge that were a part of that. And they looked just stunning. So... Amen. And on to the top. <laughs> now, Brother Tom Frey, your bench here is done. I think it's bench 13. And it's waiting for you. So making sure, he said, make sure there's no more creeks in my bench. We said, yeah, absolutely. We'll make sure. <laughs> we don't forget these things. Amen. We're just big family. We said family time. And Wednesday night, you know, the olden days, there used to be a, a restaurant called The Pantry. And it was, oh, their little slogan was, Wednesday night is family night at the pantry. <laughs> and those in Cloverdale here that would know that. Well, tonight's just family night for the little family at Cloverdale, by the way. Amen. And do we, do we know, can we remember this one? Have your way. You remember that song? All right. Amen. We're just going to sing that before we turn to the word. Sister Francine, we're praying for you. Your mother passed away on, on Sunday, and so we'll be remembering you in prayer. I believe you'll be coming up to remember you'll be traveling, I believe, on this weekend. Is that correct? And we'll just pray the Lord goes with you. You can strengthen your family and the Lord will strengthen you. Amen. You ready? Amen. Let's just sing as we sang this one time a little bit ago. It's just, I just love this song. My daughter's been playing it at home and I can hear it while I'm studying. And so we're just going to sing it. Hopefully you can remember. And if not, I'll sing a solo with you. Amen. Here we go. Have your way.
time, isn't that nice? Oh, desire of our heart tonight not to have the way of our own thoughts and our own intentions but Lord that you the supreme king our Lord our savior would have your perfect way tonight Lord as we wait as we pray Lord the songwriter penned the song teach me to wait Lord as we just desire we've asked you Lord would you come we welcome you tonight meet the needs of your people in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right. Let's turn to our scriptures. Turn to 1 Peter 4 or 7. Thank you, musicians. Appreciate that. Thank you, girls, for being on the spot today. Appreciate that. It's one of my favorite songs. It's number one on my studying playlist. He, my Redeemer, is faithful and true. Amen. Amen. Only certain songs fit into a studying playlist, of course, and that's one of them. That can be sung over and over again. Amen. First Peter 4, 7 to 11. I'm going to take a bit of a, well, maybe a bit of a part two, but maybe a different direction per se from our last service. We spoke on grace abounding. We'll just uh, read the scripture. We'll start at verse 7. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover a multitude of sins. Charity, love, grace is its twin sisters, Brother Brenham says, covers a multitude of sins. Number Verse 9, use hospitality one to another without grudging. And as every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards, of the manifold grace of God. Amen. Every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Amen. You may be seated. Last time we spoke on grace abounding, and uh, we just took the service and we talked about how just how incredible how magnificent how vast our lord is and and uh, I, you know if i'm sure many of you I, I had a number of you just the golf ball i hope that's not the only thing you remember of the service but the golf ball stuck out apparently in handful of minds but uh, and then some of finding yourselves on the golf ball but it did indeed show us how magnificent our our lord was and just how uh, the vast expanse of his grace. Because if a God that great, how much, how great is his grace to us? Amen. So he spoke on his abounding grace in this, from the scripture. And, uh, 
I want to just take a different, maybe different twist and just speak on grace outpouring. And uh, so maybe a little bit of a, some of the same, a little bit of the same, and we're going to go a different direction. So you just pull, uh, pray, and we'll just speak about just now if that, that grace abounded, but now that grace is outpouring. Amen. So we'll just speak on that a little bit as we go to that. But before we go there, so as we talk about grace, I just want to start. Satan and God run on different terms. They run differently, quite a bit differently. Amen, Brother John, you're way back there. There we are. <laughs> I heard it. <laughs> but we talked about the merits, our merits, and what we could and couldn't do. And, and our merits mean absolutely nothing in our, in our uh, attempt to gain anything from, from God and to receive grace. It's, it's un, it's, grace is unmerited favor. And so, but we need to, we need to, that's sometimes difficult for us as humans as, as we feel like we need to do something to receive something. That's somewhat built into us. But, uh, so it can be a difficult concept. Just go to a restaurant and have somebody pay for you and you, you, know, you want to pay for yourself. It's like, yeah, I could pay. You know, well, maybe some, maybe some like, yeah, go ahead and pay. <laughs> but, you know, and so then you feel obliged. And even Brother Branham, he indicates it in, in, uh, in one of the, the messages. He says, you know, we Americans, he says, and all the bring Canadians in there too, he says, are so prone to paying our way for everything. He says, that's our slogan. <laughs> we pay, we pay for things, he says. We got money. You flash our dollars around other countries, he says, and so forth. He said, you know, walk in, you see, you see tourists everywhere and feathers and all fine, he says, and, and you know, the Americans cater to them. And so he says, that will not buy our way into heaven, but everything in America, he says, and we'll just say North America, we got to pay our way. So, you know, there's this, this desire. We just gotta, you know, we pay, pay for things, you know. But, uh, so I want to just bring that, if we talk about that, there's two sides to that. You can be given something, or you can pay for something. There's, there's two, two aspects to that. Now, Satan, let's just talk about his terms here. Who loves working hard? <laughs> I saw a few hands. <laughs> I mean, doesn't everybody like good hard work? No? You know? Okay. <laughs> you love to sweat and to toil and to labor, Brother Sam? Do we love this? Not really. <laughs> What keeps you going, Abraham? What keeps you going if you're going to have to work hard? Help me out. What's that? Yeah, yeah, a little denary. Come on, throw a little bit on the hand and then someone's willing to work, right? That's, that's how, it, how it works. Payment is what makes you work pretty hard, right? So everybody loves the compensation that goes along with having to do a little hard work. You know, it, it's, it's not bad when the pay is good. Right? It's not bad when the pay is good. Uh, you know what? In fact, I was looking for Austin. Is Austin's not even, not even here, so I'm going to put uh, Paul. I need you for a second, bud. I, there's some, I have some big weights. I need some of the, right at the back there, outside in the foyer. And there's, uh, I think there's about four of them. I need you to come in, and if you can bring them up for me. There's about four, just straight back, right by the tie box. And I just need, I need them up here. Deacons, if you can help them out, they're just right there in that little nook right there. Four, four bags. I need them. So we're talking, sorry, we're talking about compensation, doing hard work, right? And, uh, yep. I know, you know what, I need all four of them. Just wait there, bud. I need you to grab both of those. All, all four, if you can. Can you grab four of them? Yep, all four. Is that okay? Does that work? Yep. Perfect. Awesome. Can you get that? It's hard work. Yes. Thank you. I see you right here. You got it? It's okay. I know you're just, you're working your biceps tonight. 
Awesome. I'm going to bring him right up here. I just need him right here. Whew. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Great. Right, right in here. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yep, good. Oh, my goodness. That's perfect. I need him right there. Okay. I'll pay you for it, though. I'll pay you for it. Okay? Let me get it. It's way down there. All right. Uh, here's one. One per bag. One, two, yep. Three in. Yeah, there we go. Good. That was worth it, huh? <laughs> no? <laughs> it's not worth it. Why would anybody do anything for four pennies? That's all I gave them. A cent each. Right? You feel like you've been shafted. Like, really? I had to do that for four pennies? That was worthless. Yes, it was. So it's lame when we get the bad end of a stick, where we get puny wages, or better yet, we get something we didn't even expect. You're going to get paid, and it's even less than what you need, right? Romans 5.23 says, For the wages of sin, we know it, is death. The wages of sin is death. Now, Satan is a wicked taskmaster. Because he makes his people work and slave and toil and labor under the burden of sin. And his wages are clearly, clearly labeled in the scripture. But what a taskmaster he is. And you do all of that laboring for him. All for a whole lot worse than four pennies. And the bearing the burden of sin, it's a load, it's tiring. And the further in sin, the heavier the load. And I just thought about the different things, just blatant things as attributes of sin. Drinking and what it brings, and it brings on the foolishness and addictions and car wrecks and tickets and shame just out of this. And they serve him, and he just, and he pours on all the load. He pours on, and they toil through all of that. For something that Satan is, is driving him in, or you're smoking and is, which brings cancer and drugs, health problems and addictions, family breakups and sorrows. Or is it secret sins that control people? They're, whether it's addictions of lust or immoral things and the burden and weight that puts on their mind. This is, this is the taskmaster. And the guilt that you live under, the lies that you must spin to try and hide what you're doing. Or the fake life you have to live. Maybe you're, maybe it's, you know, you know you're not living a Christ-centered and Christ-filled life. You don't have Christ in you, but you're portraying it. And then you're having to show that you are. You're having to live a false life here. You know in your heart you're not living right there. And now deep down, you know you're a sinner. And Satan now pours on the condemnation. And he says you're just a hypocrite. And you're having to live under this. That's the taskmaster. And now you're living a lie on one side and he just keeps pouring that on you and pouring that on you and you're torn between this false identity and what you really are. That's Satan, his terms. And you do all that. You do all of that. All of what I just said under the terms and what you get at the end of it is death. The prodigal son, it was all good for a while. It was good living for a while. Until things turned around and suddenly it was all gone and now he ended himself up in a corn patch or a, a hog pen feeding corn, corn husks to pigs. But Abraham says, and you remember, you get to settle up with God someday. 
It says the wages of sin is death. You don't make nothing here on earth by it. It's a false mirage. Drinking will only add sorrow. Sin will only add death upon death. Your final check as he signs off on your final day of work and he gives you your check is separation from God eternally and into the lake of fire. What horrible terms. What horrible terms. Who would want to work for that type of employer? And you cannot gain anything, but Abraham says, but lose. After a hard day's work, after a hard life's work, you've put your life into it. Everything you thought was worth it, you compromises that someone would have made for worldly friendships, time you placed in your job instead of putting it towards your walk with God, discarding scriptures and yoking yourself with a boy or a girl that is not a believer. All these things that you, someone could have done and at the end of the day, as Brother Brandon says, your final check for all of that is eternal separation from God. Terrible. Terrible. But Abraham said, hell wasn't made for Christians. It was made for unbelievers. God didn't. God has done everything he can to keep people to bypass hell. So you won't have to go there. He sent law. He sent prophets. He sent his son. He sent his Holy Spirit. He sent churches. He sent hymns. He sent ministers. He sent family, believing moms, believing dads. He sent it all. He's sending that to you. Hell, he said, was not made for people. He said hell was created for the devil. And he sent all these things to try and keep you from going to hell. He said, it's not for human beings, but if you go, it's because you willfully and want to go. Think about it. Think about it. Willfully want to go. And you can't go easy. He said, you have to fight your way into it. Did you know that? You can't go to hell easy. You have to fight your way. Think about it. He says, have you been, he gives an example. He says, have you been smoking? No, no. He says, that's the conscience. That begin to say, don't do this. That's wrong. It's that little thing there. Children, <laughs> adults, you did something. You know something's not quite right. And it's that right there, that conscience there. That's not quite right. It's a warning sign. It's a little light that's just saying, hey, this isn't right. So Brother Bram's saying, you're fighting past those things. Then you wait over that. The next thing you know, you pass by the church. You hear the hymns. You hear the preaching. Like, ah, I should be, should be logging in this church this morning. And you go past that. And it's there. And you go past that. This is you fighting your way through. Every red light God flashes before you, you just break the barriers down and go right on. Don't pay attention to the to conscience, nothing else. Then did God send a person to hell? Nope. You sent yourself. That's right. You went on your own accord. God throws every red light in front of you. He could. Just You just kept moving right on headlong. We don't want to go there. That's why we're preaching. <laughs> that's why we're at church. That's why we bring our little ones. That's why right now we have to log in on our homes and, and try and stay focused in this time. I was just thinking, you know, COVID started eight months ago or so in March. And, you know, it's it's a health thing. It's worldwide. We're going to do what we got to do to, deal, to uh, you know, do our part to minimize this pandemic. You know, it's not a spiritual thing. It's it's not coming against us on a, on a uh, you know, our, 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 what we believe. And it's not attacking our, our beliefs, etc., but I tell you right now, it sure is attacking. It sure is attacking where you're spiritually standing right now. Because you're going to have to step back and say, am I spiritually stronger? 
Have I taken a step back from where I was spiritually? Or haven't I taken a step forward from where I was spiritually eight months ago? And you tell me if COVID's not a spiritual thing, not a spiritual attack. It surely is indeed. And so you need to gird up your loins against this right now and say, I am fighting against that demon that is here, that is to, to inhibit, to deteriorate, to work away, and as subtly and very, very quietly working away at your spiritual walk. And we've heard it over and over through the months, and we have to because it's just, hey, I can tell better John. It's pretty lame when this becomes normal. And I'm looking at a camera pan around, and it's like, 80 benches that are empty. That's pretty lame when that's normal. This ain't normal. This is the devil himself. And so we will stand against it and your walk, fortify your walk, do what you need to do to make sure that you are there when you got a stream. And I, I know I can't, you can't talk too much because I've had the benefit of being here every time. And, uh, and, and that's just the, the, uh, the burden I get to bear. <laughs> um, but you do what you got to do, and you pull from that in there. I'm very conscious of every believer at home and in their room, and I'm and I'm trying to preach to that camera just as much as we preach down here, amen. So we will stand against this COVID demon, and we will not let it work away and become suddenly deteriorate our walk with our God, amen. You look at it that way, not just well, I got to wear a mask or no, it's a devil, and he's looking to basically get you right here to hell and work away at your walk with God. You know, when someone gets the end of the road, and then they, just like my four pennies there, like, what? Nobody wants to come to the end of the road and get that check and be like, well, it's, it's, uh, fortunately, it's hell for you. You're like, what? You say, well, didn't you look at the contract? Didn't look at the terms? The wages of sin? is death. But there's better terms available. <laughs> there's better terms available. Amen. That's why we're here. We're going to talk about God's terms. Satan can have all the terms he wants. We're trying to turn you and point you to a whole lot better set of terms. Okay, amen? Satan has a whole big contract out there, and he wants to hide it all. He wants to bury the compensation all the way down to all the greatness. Oh, it's amazing. You know, the time of your life, you just go through that whole thing. Woo! Look what he's providing. I love these terms. Somewhere deep down at font point zero 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 one point font, he's got in there uh, end final paycheck death somewhere deep down. God doesn't do that. His terms are totally different. It's it's actually he's like a one pager. He says my terms for my grace for my mercy. It just is one big piece of paper and just says free right across it. Amen. There's nothing there. He doesn't got terms. It's just it's free. It's unmerited favor to you. Amen. Amen. These are the terms that we want because the next part of the verse is, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen. The gift of God is eternal life. This grace, it's free. (laughs) Why would you not? If you looked at the verse, well, either way, you shouldn't even have a, a second of hesitation. Like, that's what I want. I want that grace. Amen. Amen. Sometimes it's difficult to accept a gift. <laughs> like I said, we need to feel like we you know, have to give something in, in return. And so sometimes it's hard to receive that gift. But, you know, they did an experiment and they put, they've done a couple different ones. But one of them, they just put like a board in the middle of a, of a busy square. And it is pinned up uh, dollar bills or whatever they were, $5 bills or whatever they were, money. And they just stuck it there and said, free. 
And then, of course, they have all the cameras. And they want to see what people do. And you wouldn't believe it, but the vast majority, vast majority, almost like 99%, like just almost everybody, they're like, oh, nice. Oh, oh, nice. Oh, nice. That's it. Look at it. Free. You know, tacked up there. Take the bills. You know, oh, money. In fact, they're too busy like this, didn't even know it was there. Half of them didn't even, probably weren't even aware that there was this free money right there. It's like, it's free. Take it. Yeah, I need 20 bucks. Nope. They wouldn't do it. One of them did it and they said, if you're in need, take it. <laughs> that really made people not take it like, oh, no, I'm, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Some did. They weren't ashamed. Like, yeah, I need it. I'm taking it. <laughs> but God is saying it's free. Don't be like, well, I don't really need it. You need it. <laughs> you need, if you're in need, take it. You're like, I'm in need. I need your grace. I need your mercy. Amen. 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 The fountain of life, free gift. It provides so much, so, so much goodness, joy and peace, contentment, freedom from guilt, love bubbling inside, source of our hope, an anchor in troubled COVID times. Amen. Not to mention heaven. <laughs> Not to mention eternal life. Not to mention a future and eternity with our Lord Jesus. This, this is the free gift. These are the benefits of the free gift. Amen. Amen. All our loved ones that have gone on before us, they're waiting for us. Amen. This is the free gift. Say, who would not want this? Who would not want this? What a contrast of terms. I love the scripture. It says, ho, everyone that thirsteth. Come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye buy and eat. You're like, wait, have no money. Come ye, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. What you're buying, there's nothing you can even have to even try and afford it. There's nothing. Come, it's without without money, without price. It's it's free. It's so bountiful. It's so huge. There's nothing you could do. And he's saying, come and buy it of me. It's here for you to take. Come and buy me of this joy, of this peace. Amen. Wherefore, why do you spend money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Why? Why go out and do things you do? Why would you settle for terms like Satan? Why? Come and buy of me without money, without price. Amen. A gift from our Lord. Now. Go a little bit, and we'll just take a little turn. First Peter 5, 5 says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder, yea, all of you. Be subject one to another. And here we are. And be clothed with humility. And be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Grace to the humble, okay? That's, God is requiring a humble and a contrite spirit for the receiving of grace. Because God giveth grace to the humble. This is vital. Isaiah 57 says, For thus saith the high and lofty one. This is our God in heaven. Thus saith him, One that inhabiteth eternity. This is our God. 
the grace-abounding God speaking, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place. With him also, that with him also, that is of a contrite and humble spirit. That God, that one that fills all time and space, that bulged our minds with the zeros and the quadrillions of golf balls that fit into stars, one star, that God, that God dwells in that realm, also dwells, you ready, dwells with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit. So he can come from that. And from a contrite and humble one, he's going all of that and dwells in you. To revive the spirit of the humble, to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Now a contrite heart, it's one with the natural A contrite heart is one in which the natural pride and self-sufficiency has been completely humbled by the consciousness of guilt. That's from an encyclopedia. And the Hebrew and grill, it it translates contrite. It actually means crushed or broken, actually almost into powder. That's contrite. And we come and we recognize in that level, in our spirit, in that broken, I was, I'm guilty. And we come under that and say, Lord, there's nothing I can do. And we come into that humbleness in our spirit, broken and contrite. That's what God and the scripture says. He giveth grace to that. When a human spirit stops justifying its wrong choices and awakens to the need of a savior and humbly accepts God's righteousness, then contrition is present. Or it offers no excuses. It doesn't shift blame. Contrite heart. Humble. And it fully agrees with God. And how evil the heart is. And needing God's grace and mercy. And it throws itself upon the mercy of God. It's contrite. And so this abounding grace is then outpoured to the humble. All this All this God, this grace that is abounding, as the scripture said, then is outpoured now and given to the humble in heart. Amen. But God resisteth the proud. Humility, it's critical to receive grace. Humility is Jesus Christ encapsulated humility because we can sometimes think that humility is is this little timid you know i'm just mediocre or you know something that is that is a kind of sub sub level you know below zero they're just it's you know you're meek and you're you're humble it's just like you're just in the corner you know turned around there and no one is paying attention that's not that's not humility Humility, it shouldn't be confused with timidity or mediocrity. It's, it doesn't, humility doesn't deny what God has done in you or the abilities that God has given you. It doesn't mean you, it, it means that you don't claim them as your own. It means that this is not me. This was God given. And to recognize that it's something that God has then poured into you. And He expects and demands that we use those gifts that he's poured into you and what he's placed inside of you to further his kingdom and his glory and his honor. 
All right? This is humility. And if we look at Christ, Scripture says, but he made himself of no reputation. Humble himself into flesh. The king of glory and everything that we said last service rendered himself down of no reputation and put himself in a little bundle of flesh in a manger of hay in a little stable somewhere with a cloth that should have been around the yoke of an oxen. That's humility. And took the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. I was, Jesus wasn't timid. He was humble, but he went through a temple and you can't tell me he took that cat of nine tails and whipped out all the money changers, etc. in the temple. That wasn't timid. This is our, this is our Lord. He was a lamb. He was an ox. He was a lion. He was an eagle. He was everything, but he was humble and full of humility. Now, God resisteth the proud. God resisteth the proud. This is clear in Scripture. And uh, when Brother Tim, you said it in the last service, and you just mentioned a line, you said, God hates pride. And, and indeed, he does. And I had some notes, and I was just preparing for Wednesday, and I just heard, I heard, I heard you say that line. I said, mm-hmm, God hates pride. And so as we were studying, of course, the scripture was uh, come up, and so we're gonna we're gonna hit that one because it's it's a it's a real uh, real obstacle that Satan has thrown up. So God resists the proud. He's actually if you are proud, if you're prideful, God is your opponent. <laughs> That's who you're up against. You just jumped in the ring with God. That's what you've done. So you're like I'm prideful, and you might not think you are, but if you've got a proud heart, you've now just thrown in the ring. And I'm just going to say, you're not winning. Just right out of the gates. You're, there's no there's no winning in this one. Pride. The quality of having an excessively high opinion of oneself or one's importance. Uh, arrogance or vanity, self-importance. Hubris is a very, is a uh, maybe an ancient word. And so I'll give you the, actually a little bit more definition. Also known as hubris. Who's even heard that word before? Yeah, a couple. Well, now you know. There's few, yeah, most of you had no clue. Also known as hubris, which is from the ancient Greek, or futility, it's identified as dangerously corrupt selfishness, putting one's own desires and urges, wants, whims before the welfare of other people. I think it is described almost 7 billion people. Because that's the day and age we live in. In even more destructive cases, it is irrationally believing that one is essentially and necessarily better, superior, or more important than others. Failing to acknowledge the accomplishments of others and excessive admiration of the personal image of ourself. This is pride or hubris, if you want to say. Here's what the scripture says about pride. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, and arrogancy, and the evil way, and the forward mouth do I hate. It's fairly clear in scripture. When pride cometh, then cometh shame, but with the lowly is wisdom. Pride goeth before destruction. And a haughty spirit before a fall. Better it is to be of a humble spirit with the lowly. Better to be with a humble spirit with the lowly. We fight this spirit. You, you, you hit this every day. So here we get it in, the, in, a, in a Wednesday night, family night service. 
Better to be humble spirit than to divide the spoil with the proud. Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though hand joined in hand shall he not be unpunished. It's an abomination to the Lord to have a proud heart. Oh Lord, if there's even a glimmer of that in me, annihilate it from my being. Amen. God doesn't pull punches on pride. And it's one of the first attributes that was manifested after the fall. In fact, if we think of Cain and Abel, Cain could not humble himself. This was his problem. He couldn't admit that Abel's sacrifice was correct. He couldn't. Here he had labored and he'd prepared and he'd worshipped and he'd put it all together and he brought all of his, you know, uh, to- vegetables, etc. from the field and all that he'd done. But it was wrong. And God said, do as Abel. This is correct. This is the approved way. This is what I'm blessing. And he's, he's like, well, what's wrong with my way? My, his way was prettier. It was a, you know, to him it was a better solution. Nobody had to die. Nothing had to die. Abel's way was messy. Cain's way was way better in his eyes. But Abraham said, Abel's, uh, filter now, put your filter on now for a minute. He says, Abel's correct message that God vindicated to be truth. He says, uh-huh. Abel's message had been received and Cain saw it and know that God had vindicated that message. He knew that God had even vindicated it. This was the right one. Do as your brother Abel and you'll be accepted. But Abraham said he just couldn't do it. His pride kept him from it. Right there, his pride. That's all that kept him from it. He didn't want to... His image of, of his self or whichever he held out there that he needed that was he was so proud about, whether it was all the toils he did on his, his, on, of his offering, etc. But he couldn't get set that aside and be like, it's, it's not what God approves. This is what he approves. He couldn't do it because it was pride in his heart. Of course it was in his heart because that's, it came from his father, the devil. That's exactly what Satan did. But Abraham said he tried to get a greater kingdom. More beautiful, more elaborate, more pretty than Michael's was. And kicked out. But Abraham says, pride. Beauty stuck up. And when he come here, there was a nature of him right in his boy. And it hasn't died yet. There's where pride came from. Right from the beginning. Right from the source. All right? Now, I'll just give you a little, few more little tidbits on, on pride here because this will just bring it into our, our world. Pride's overly competitive. Always wants to win and come out on top and it bothers it when it doesn't. Pride doesn't like it. It's bothered when he's not on the top. Pride likes to be center of attention. Draw things to itself. It feels like it's deserving. It feels it, deser- it, it, feels it deserves what it has and, and thinks it actually should have more. Considering how it, how well it's lived or in the light of maybe what it's done. Pride often feels and sometimes ungrateful and tends to grumble about what it has or its lot in life. I need to be more. I mean, why am I here? And so when you're always grumbling and ungrateful, on the other side, you can feel deserving. So pr- pr- pride is, it can poke up its, its head in different ways. It talks about itself excessively, rarely shows interest in others. Pride pumps itself up. It's often driven by poor self-worth and shame. Pride can feel so badly about itself that it needs to compensate by feeling superior. 
This is pride. Just giving you a little look at, at what pride actually can look like in our everyday living. We relish, pride relishes criticizing others as a defense against recognizing its own shortcomings. And pride prevents itself from acknowledging its own human vulnerabilities. And it's a shame, shame-driven pride makes it feel too uncomfortable to say, well, I'm sorry, I was wrong, I made a mistake. I'm sorry, this is pride. Pride. It's horrible. Horrible thing that we want to make sure. Why is pride all that? Because pride is extremely self-centered. That's really what it renders down to. Pride is just straight up self-centered. And so we want to, complete opposite of that is humble, which is lowly. And what prideful person wants to be lowly? Now, take a little turn. Brother Brandon preaches the message of pride. And uh, we'll maybe just go into that a little bit. Now he speak he speaks about a story in the scripture that we all know very very well. And you can turn if you want to just follow as we as we go along in Luke seven, just as we follow a little bit of the story. But the story was is of one when the Pharisee had invited Jesus to a feast. And he, he had invited Jesus, which Brother Branham says, he goes, that in itself is just strangely very odd. Why would a Pharisee want to even have Jesus in his home? So that right out of the gates, he said, it was, some, it was, was, was should have put your warning bells off. And, but Jesus is a gentleman. And he said, Jesus always keeps his, keeps his, uh, his promises and appointments. And so he came, came to the feast. And he's, Simon the Pharisee was preparing a grand party and and it wanted all the who's who's and everyone else around the around the city and where he was at and, and uh, got everything all prepared so that he had a big a big celebration of some sort. But Jesus, of course, keeps all his appointments, as we said, and so he's made his way and came into the into the house and here Simon, but around Simon has prepared it all, and Jesus just slips in and he slips in unnoticed and he's puts himself, and Brother Bram talks about him just going to a little corner and just being totally ignored and, and all alone. He says, oh, how embarrassed he was. Jesus was embarrassed. I just thought, oh, you know, he really does know what we feel like. You can maybe be in a situation, you can maybe someone at school or at work, and you're just cast to the side, you're different, you're, you're a loner, people don't understand, they're, they, something different about them, oh, they're religious, and it's embarrassing. Jesus was embarrassed. He bore that. He bore that embarrassment of being cast aside. He bore the embarrassment of, of, of being the one that nobody wanted to talk to. And we know that he came in, he was unwashed, he was unanointed, he was unkissed, he was unwelcomed, and everybody knew it. Because he was really only there, but Abraham talks about it, he was only there to be just a show. He was just actually entertainment. 
So that Simon could feel puffed up and look who I've got at my house. Of course, they would have all known who, who Jesus of Nazareth was and all the different healings and things that were going on. But he had, he had no desire for what Jesus of Nazareth was speaking. All he cared about was being more popular and being a, and his image in front of the people. And so, hey, if I invite him over, I'm going to be a big guy. I'm going to have this Jesus of Nazareth in my house. That's all he cared about. And so when he arrived, he didn't really care. He probably didn't even know that he came in. But Abraham said he just slipped in and found a little place. And I was just, I, I was just struck that even, even the lowest of the servants in Simon's home didn't even want to see Jesus. Because he was the foot washer, the lowest one. And he, even he didn't wash his feet. The lowest of lows of the totem pole. And he didn't even. He vacated his position and ignored Jesus as he walked in. There he was. But Abraham says that with the rich and the proud, they didn't care nothing about him. And he was just an entertainment. Something to make people gape and to look upon. No doubt he had in his heart, he'd ask him to do a miracle or something. Simon, I mean, I'll just have him do a miracle and make me look really good. And here, Jesus was, and I was sitting in a corner over here, and the whole party's going on, and Jesus is over here all alone, embarrassed. But better man said there was a little, little lady walked by. He talks about all the people that are looking in because all the poor people couldn't, couldn't come in. They weren't invited. They couldn't, so, and Jesus' disciples even weren't invited. So only Jesus was in the home. Only Jesus was inside. But everyone was looking and in the old days they would be able to look and see all the entertainment and, and wish they could be a part of that and part of the food, etc. And he said this little lady would, went by and she saw him. And she saw Jesus all alone, embarrassed in a corner. That's what she saw. And she, of course, we know she's the lowest in her, in her city ranks. We know she was, had great sin, a prostitute. And so she goes and Butter Brown describes the story of where she goes and she's fretting in her mind. She said, is, 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 is things that she's heard is, is he that said to me, she, Butter Brown says, Oh, come unto me, ye that are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. And this is playing in her mind, and she said, "This is, is this him? I'm sure it's, is this him." And she knows it was it's 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 Jesus. And she now says, and she's now pained in her mind. How can it be unwelcomed? How can it be so so left alone? How can it be unkissed? How can it be how can how can it be so? His feet are still dirty, and she now runs home. But I ran and talked about, it, and she runs home, and and she's scoffed at by people in the street. Oh, what is she doing? And she runs into her little room and she goes into her little box. But Abraham describes it and she pulls out her coin and she's just, oh, is he, he's even going to know where I even got this money. And she counts and she counts it out. And but Abraham even gives, he gives 180 denarii. He gives it, he gives a number. And she takes that little bag and she puts it into her clothes and she now races down. It's getting lady said and she's hoping that she can make it in time. And she races down to a vendor to try and, and get and she goes in and she goes, I need the best. I need the best. And she gives her, gives her coin. The vendor's there. And he says, well, he counts it all out. I think this is enough. She goes, I, it didn't matter what was enough. She just said, whatever, I want the best of whatever that can give. And so here she now takes 
the alabaster box that she has and her desire, her crushing love to see him welcomed. And so she purchased it. And now she's coming in. Now imagine she's trying to get into this, into this celebration. She, how, she didn't even have, have a way to get in. But Abraham says, it's not. He said, was she willing to go through the effort to get in there? Whatever she had to do, she was going to do. She was going to, whether she, whatever she had to break through a crowd. And then she started, Brother Bram says, she starts elbowing her way through the crowd. And she let me, let me in. And she, I'm sure that caused quite the stir and quite the commotion. But she had to get to Jesus. He was there. He was unwelcomed. He was dirty and unkissed. And I have to get to him. And she was driven. Whatever it took, she didn't care how, how she looked. She didn't care what people thought. She was willing. She was willing to humble herself to the lowest point she already was. She, I could, as low as she could get, she was going to do whatever it took so I could get there. And she elbowed her way through and she got to his feet. And she laid the box down on the floor and she started to raise up, but Abraham says, and she couldn't. He said she was weeping so hard. She couldn't raise up. She got half stooped and couldn't raise up. And she realized she was standing by the fountain of purity. She realized she was standing by the only one who could forgive her. The only one who could release her from her guilt. The only one that could outpour grace to her. And the way she approached him was in humility, in humbleness, right at his feet. Oh, God. And she couldn't even raise up because now she's just completely overwhelmed with who she's before. She's before the only one that can forgive her of her sins. She come the way she was. She didn't know what to do. But Abraham says she was weeping and she had her hands up. She couldn't stand. She was looking. Oh, is it possible? She said, is it possible that him, the lovely one, the one I heard him say, come unto me, all ye that are heavy, that labor and are heavy laden. Oh God, you know my heart. I don't want to even speak a word. I can't. But Abraham says, I'm, she's beside herself and she tries and she starts to weep. And she starts to weep. Brother Branham is so broken in this message. He's more broken than I ever heard him in my whole life. And it was the first time he preached this. He says, I've never approached this subject ever. He said, I just came across this in my hotel room preparing. And he's in Kentucky. And he is, oh, I can't even describe him. And he she's, tries, he goes and she weeps. And the tears rolling down her cheeks, spatting and running down over the dirty feet of Jesus. And better Branham, he says, it's Jesus. And he just cannot come to himself. Why is Jesus unwelcomed? Why is he unwelcomed? Why is he sitting there with dirt and, and mud and, and, and animal droppings all over his feet? And, and, and this is what the little sister, she couldn't fathom. Why is Jesus unwelcomed? And she starts rubbing his feet. And the tears pouring down. Oh, he says, tears of purity, of repentance. Tears pouring down. He says, oh, tears of regret. He says, what beautiful water. What sparkling water coming from the heart. Oh, I said, Lord, 
if I, Brother Branham says, even if I could be that one, if I could have fulfilled that foot washing flunky's position, oh, to be there, I would have, I would have grabbed the cleanest of water, tried to make sure that the towel was the softest towel so I could wipe the feet of Jesus. And here it wasn't sparkling water from some tapper jar, but the purest water is the tears of a repentant sinner. He said, Lord, I'm no good. I can't stand it. And see you set like this and tears pouring down cheeks and rubbing his feet. And she's washing them with her tears and sits down her little alabaster box. And she's the first thing to know. She said she's in a hysterical condition. Imagine, imagine where she's at. And he says her hair and her little curls fall down. He said, oh, it's the, the, the best thing of her. The purest thing was her hair. She had her glory. And she then started to wash and to dry his feet with her hair. What a moment. What a moment. Nobody else wanted to kneel down. No one else even cared. And he's embarrassed in the corner. But it took one. The lowest of the community. Willing to even go lower. And become humble. And wash with her hair. And her tears. She didn't care nothing. About what was going on. Her whole focus was to anoint the Lord Jesus. With her, with her alabaster box, the best that she could give. The sweetest words she could ever hear and hear now in Jesus, what a commotion it would have made. Simon is there. What's going Think of the indignation that he would have had. Now he has a prostitute in here. All the focus is now on someone that he really only wanted there just so that he could feel a better as far as having somebody in his home to make his, to, to make people come in. And now he's got a, a prostitute that's at the feet of Jesus and she's washing his feet and she's crying and her hair is everywhere and she's got the oil and Brother Branham talks about it and you've heard this, heard him recount it and uh, re, re, uh, retell it. And she's got the oil all over her face. Think of the scene. Simon is indignified. Why is this? What's going on? Jesus says, he turns. He says in the scripture, he says, Simon, I have somewhat to say. And he talks about a creditor that had two debts. And he owed 500 pence, the other 50. And he said, when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me. Which of them will love him? She said, I suppose he whom forgave most. And he says, thou was rightly judged. He said, seeing thou this woman I entered into thine house, thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou, thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman since the, first t- since the time that I came in hath not ceased to kiss my feet. And he turns and he looks at this poor miserable wretch with her hair hanging down. And with disgrace of the road on him. And her lips oily with a spikenard. And when she'd been kissing his feet. Her tears stringing down. And Brother Brown said, listen to what he says. He says, your sins, which are many, are forgiven. Your sins, which are many, 
are forgiven. That's all that mattered to her. And the load and the weight of the guilt that she carried was no more. Because she came in a humble and contrite spirit. And the grace of God could outpour itself into her. And release her from all the condemnation. All the guilt. All her sorrows. All her troubles. Everything in her mind that warded her. Satan that would come at her. that it, All of it was annihilated at that moment when he said... Your sins, which are many, are all forgiven. Amen. And I listened through that whole message multiple times. And I go and listen to that message on pride. And you listen to the message. And I was just thinking, pride. But Abraham, he titled it Pride. And then you go through the story of, of, the, of the account of, of the sister that washed his feet. And I was thinking, well, Pride, and you're just thinking through the story of Pride, indeed, at, at Simon himself, as he's so proud he couldn't even, couldn't even welcome Jesus into his home appropriately. And then at the end, Butter Branham is laboring with the audience. And he is calling on them. Who wants to welcome Jesus? Who wants to wash his feet? Don't leave him unwelcomed. And he's, he's just, he's just so overwhelmed with why would, why would no one want to welcome Jesus? Why would no one want to wash his feet if he was present? I'd be the first one. And I prayed in my room and said, Oh God. Come, I will wash your feet. I will anoint you with my tears. Let me, I stood and said, I'm here. I, Lord, I, I want to be that one. And he labored with the audience and the whole audience was just as Simon the Pharisee and not one would humble themselves and wash Jesus' feet in their day. Here Jesus was before them on display and all they wanted was a sign and a wonder. And there were miracles and there were healings and this, but they did not want Jesus. He says, why do you wait? Do you mean to tell me there's not one man or boy or girl in here? Not one man or boy or girl in here, sitting here, and you know that I know who you are. You know the Holy Spirit's here, moving and darkness hanging over you. As I'm looking across the audience, I know where you're sitting. If I know, how much more does he know? God's speaking to you, and you turn in cold, indifferent, heart away from him. And I just said, Lord, you're before us again. I know there's a group of people that will wash your feet. I know there's people that would welcome you, would greet you, would kiss you. But Abraham says, the scripture says, kiss the sun.
Don't let pride stop you from kneeling before the King of Kings. Unwilling to ruin your reputation or your teenage world, who your image is before your friends. It didn't matter to her. It just mattered that I wash and welcome the feet of Jesus. And pride is hindered and halted millions, I'm sure, over time from the outpouring of God's mercies because they're not willing to humble themselves before God. It's to the humble and the contrite that lay at his feet. And to them is this abounding grace. Then I'll pour it to you. Uh, I'm just going to close here. I have lots more pages, but it'll just too long. I'm just going to close here. Musicians, you can come. I wanted to go I wanted to go to where if grace and mercy has been extended to you then you and me and God outpoured his grace into us and his mercies into us and his love into us and his joy into us if we have then received then we must also then outpour we must also outpour He's given us grace. He's given us mercy. He's given us the love. The scripture that we read, I wanted to get into stewards of his grace. I wanted to even title it stewards of this unspeakable gift. Because if we've been given it, now what must we do with it? What are we doing with God, what God gave us? What, what a responsibility we now have at that. I wanted to go into Matthew 18, where the, the servant who came up before his, his, uh, his master and he says, you owe me 10,000 talents. And he says, I can't, I can't owe it, I can't pay it. He says he's going to sell his family, sell him off, sell this, make it so he can pay. And he worshipped him. So, have mercy. And the scripture says he had compassion on him. 10,000 talents is in the realm of, depending on which way you check, is millions and billions of dollars. It was an unattainable number that he could pay. And he went right outside. And if you read the scripture, he went right up to who owed him a hundred pence. And he took him by the neck and he says, you owe me. Pay up right now. Oh, I can't. And he had the same response. And he didn't have the compassion and mercy. Scripture said, and his Lord was wroth when he heard about this. And he delivered him to his tormentors. Because the servants came up and said, look what just happened. And he's delivered into his tormentors that he should pay all that was due to him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother his trespasses. 
And I wanted to, I don't have the time. But if we've been given this grace, and if we've been given this mercy, Jesus is very clear that we must now also outpour that same grace and same mercy to around us. We have our families, we might have our friends, we might have issues, we might have complexities, but if we've been given and received such grace, so must we also then outpour this in our own lives. I don't have time to go in to think about it. I was thinking of the little pots and uh, the outpouring of God. And if you look at those little fountains that have little, little, they pour, 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 pour. Just think of it as your life. Jesus Christ is pouring into you and in it fills you up and then it pours out. And then it fills in the next person and it pours out. And that's what he's requiring of our lives, of this outpouring of grace to us. It must be outpoured to those around us. I'm sorry, I've just run run out of time. But I don't want to, I don't want you to leave tonight. But Ben, maybe to say play why not? Why not come to him now? I challenged my own self in, in my little office and I said, Lord, if there's anything inside of me, if there's a, any bit of proud, any bit of pride, anything that is there that would be hindering you, Lord, remove it from me. I want to be, I want to be like that little sister that found you in the corner, that struggled her way through, that didn't care about her image. She didn't care. She didn't care about who said what about her. She just didn't have any care. All she cared about was what God thought about her. All she cared about was getting to his feet. So that then she could pour out her heart and her life and her tears at his feet and welcome Jesus Christ. I said, Lord, I want to be at your feet tonight. I want to, I want to be just like her. I want to be humble because I want your grace to outpour to me so that then I can outpour to others. And if anything is there that is blocking that from being able to be poured out into me, I want to lay it down at your altar tonight. That's what I want to do. Why don't we stand? Let's just sing that song quietly. Oh, why not?
homes. But the Lord doesn't care where you're at. It was in a back little corner in a little room somewhere in Simon the Pharisee's home that this little sister poured her heart at Jesus' feet. And for all she cared, no one else was around her. She could have been all alone and it would have been the same. And I just want you to bow your head and say, Lord, have I allowed anything? Have I allowed any pride? Anything that would get in the way where I've gotten so caught up in the world around me or who I am or what I'm doing or my schoolwork and my friends or my work and my job, whatever it is, Lord, look inwardly into your heart. Because we're li- we're just too close. We're just we're too far down the road to worry about these things. Remember the wages of sin, all of that, the contract that Satan has is the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, grace to the humble. I just pray that everybody hears eyes closed. I don't really care where you are in your families, where you are in your little rooms. Just humble yourself before him because that's where the grace then can come and fall upon you. Brother he says, oh, don't, let's not be so starchy. That you allow the Holy Spirit that it would not allow to work on us. He said, Lord, I know our Canadian culture is starchy. But I defy that demon of starchiness. That we would just get stuck in this uh, tradition of coming to church and sitting in a pew. And raising up in our seats and lifting our hands or singing a song. But get to really get humble before the Lord and say, oh God, I don't really care where I am. I don't care what it takes. I got to come to my altar at my home. I got to come to an altar and here I got to go in my seat. But I'm going to pour my tears out. I'm going to watch your feet. I'm going to humble myself before you. I just don't care about the starchiness of church. I don't care about our traditions of church. Get to Christ. Break through. Elbow through. I don't care what you got to do. Say, Daddy, I need you to pray for me. I'm sitting around with my family members around, but I need God right now. She needed Jesus right then. There wasn't a day going by. She ran to her house. She grabbed her oil. She paid for it. She wanted to make sure she wasn't too late. And she ran to his house, elbowed her way through, and buried her face in Jesus' feet. Oh, God. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that we could bury our face into your feet tonight, Lord, in the lowliest, the lowest of places, Lord, that we could place ourselves is at the feet of Jesus, Lord, that we could hear. Then, oh, your sins, which are many, they're forgiven, Lord. Lord, whatever it takes, Lord. This service is broken up. Lord, I just live, wondered, Lord, what to say. I pray just a little bit, Lord. Just a little bit, Lord. If they could just place themselves, Lord, as this little sister that came before you and put themselves there. Say, Lord, my hands are raised. My heart is humbled. And I just 
want to be at your feet. Lord, I welcome you. I love this song. Welcome, welcome. Holy Ghost, we welcome thee. Because, Lord, you will not go unwelcomed in this place. Lord, may you not go unwelcomed in the homes of your people. May you not go unwelcomed on their jobs. Lord, may they not go un- you unwelcomed in their schools. Lord, you knew what it felt to be embarrassed. Lord, would you go with them, Lord? Maybe they're alone, but Lord, with you, Lord, they're a majority. With you, Lord, they're not alone. And they have a welcomed Christ with them along their journey, Lord. Lord, take take the service. Take it into your hands. Take the words, Lord. I don't even know what else to say. We just want you, Lord. Stop being an actor. Simon the Pharisee, but around him, he says he's just an actor. Don't be an actor in church. Don't be an actor. Break through whatever you need to do. And just come to his feet. Come to his feet tonight. Let's just sing I Surrender all by the band.
wherever you are at your home or fellowship hall the balcony just do as the Lord has laid on your heart Heavenly Father Lord uh, we love you Lord, we need these times because, Lord, I I just want to get a little closer to you. Draw me close to thee, Lord. Close to thee. Jesus, if you speak to the hearts, Lord, of one maybe that's wayward or maybe one that's Lord, not quite where they need to be, Lord. Lord, may you prick their heart to fall at your feet, Lord. Humble, Lord, may all of us. My hands are raised. Lord, I humble myself, Lord. Humble before the King of glory. That you'll not go unwelcomed. In my my life, Lord, and the lives of your people. May, Lord, we not, Lord, put an image up or some self-centered piece of our lives, Lord, that would hinder your moving. Lord, that your grace that is poured into us, this forgiveness and mercy that we've received, may, Lord, it pour out from us, Lord. May situations, may relationships, may families, may friendships, Lord, be restored. For, Lord, the outpouring of your grace that could forgive sinners such as this little prostitute lady, it saved me, Lord. May we also now outpour this grace that you've given us. Commit your people into your hands, Lord. Take them. Draw close to them as a shepherd would a sheep, Lord. Take each one in your arms, Lord, for you care. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Sorry, I don't just know how to close, but I wanted to sing a little song, but I know we don't know what holy is thy name from the Johnsons. That's a tough one, I know. It's just, just the sweetest little song. I'll just sing and you sing it with me. It's a simple song from the old days. Holy is thy
just as a prayer. Oh, holy is thy name. Oh, there's no other name with a healing time. No Dismissed in Jesus' name.